for leading us in prayer. You know, uh, something just happened out there just a, just a few minutes ago, and we live, we live in a rural area, of course. Most of us grew up around here, and uh, we're familiar with, uh, with the farms and, and, and the farm work. And I, I can recall when I was, when I was a teenager... I, I was glad for this time of the year, and I'd hear the old uh, squire balers start cracking, cranking up because that, that was a chance for the local boys to help the farmers and make a few dollars and have a little spending money. I, I was always glad for that. Now, as I got a little older and I happened to marry a farmer's daughter and the labor was free, I wasn't quite so happy anymore. But I'm, I'm just joking about that. I, I was happy to help uh, Papa in the hayfield. But we, we don't think anything about it. We, we think nothing of it. We've seen it so many times. We've been out there. We've, we've done it. We got down here this evening. There was a vehicle pulled over on the highway right out there. And it was actually blocking uh, one of the lanes that turns into the church building. I, I wasn't angry or anything, but I just assumed it was sitting there. Something is wrong. And so I walked out to see if they needed any assistance, if there was anything that we could do to help them out, maybe just a telephone. No, we are fine. It's just that that gentleman over there, it was Bobby Lloyd, he's bailing hay right out there in that field. We've never seen that before. And we just want to sit here and watch him bail hay. If, it, if it's okay, we're going to sit here and watch him bail hay. And I don't know if Bobby knew he was, uh, he was uh, being, being watched or not, but that's all it was. They just pulled over to the side of the road to watch Bobby Lloyd bail hay. And for, for us, that's nothing. And it just seemed, it's just uh, amazing to me that there are people in this world... <laughs> who have never seen a hay baler. Wow, that is, to me that is, that is unbelievable. They sat there and watched him until Bobby finally, Bobby finally pulled uh, out on the highway and headed home, I guess, Ben. Uh, that was just amazing to me. But that happened just a few minutes ago. I have always said, we are so fortunate to live where we do, <laughs> and I, I have no desire... To, to move anywhere else. Right here, right here where we are is where T.A. wants to be and where he's going to stay. I'll begin my lesson this way. Jesus Christ is what the Bible is about. <laughs> and someone might say, wait a minute, T.A., he's not in the Old Testament. Well, I realize that, but the Old Testament is the story of God's plan to send a Messiah into the world to save the human race from their sins. That, that's what the Old Testament is. That's, that's the story. It, the story unfolds in the Old Testament. And finally, uh, Jesus comes into the world uh, in the New Testament. Even if we only had the Old Testament to study we would know there was more to come. God's not finished. Uh, something else is still yet to happen. We would be looking for that Messiah 
which the Old Testament prophets prophesied about over and over. The Old Testament would point us towards Jesus. And then the New Testament tells us about His will for us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us about Jesus' time here on the earth, but I have, I have always believed, and the older I have gotten, and the more I have read and studied, the more how it has dawned on me that we, we just know a very little bit of everything that Jesus must have done. Uh, his, his early life, uh, uh, from His birth uh, up until He's ready to begin His ministry, we know very, very little about those years. And even the, the three years that Jesus preached, we don't know nearly everything. In fact, John tells us that very thing at the end of the Gospel of John. John says that there were many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I'm telling you, with all that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us, there is who knows how much more that they just didn't have time and space to, to write it all down. There just wasn't room to write down everything that Jesus did. The, the four Gospels tell the same stories in, in some places. Uh, not, not everyone tells it exactly the same, but in many places they do overlap and tell the same story. And, and when they do, uh, many times one includes something that the others did not. We get a better picture of it uh, when that is the case. I, I'm happy when they tell the same story because we, we can pick up something that the other gospel writers might not have uh, included. Uh, one example of that that always comes to my mind is Jesus stilling the storm out on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Matthew tells us about that in Matthew 8. Mark tells us about it in Mark 4. Mark says that there were other boats out there. Matthew doesn't mention anybody except Jesus and his boat. Mark says he wasn't the only one out there in that storm. Mark also says that it didn't just whoosh happen. Jesus walked out on the deck and spoke, Peace, be still. Matthew doesn't tell us that Jesus uh, uh, spoke and, and basically made it happen. And so uh, Mark kind of uh, modifies Matthew just a little bit and lets us know just a, just a little bit more. And they, they tell their stories differently from, from a different perspective, I, I, I guess. Uh, if, if you watch a football game and this guy is for one team and this guy is for the other team, Chances are, when they're telling the story of that game, they're not going to tell it from the exact same perspective because they're going to look at it just a little bit different. They, they do not. They do not go against each other or contradict each other. They just tell it from a different perspective. Matthew was a Jewish businessman. He was a publican. He was a tax collector probably pretty well educated. And Matthew 
is writing obviously to the Jews. That was his target audience. And what Matthew tries to do is show those Jews who would have known the Old Testament. He tries to show them, here's a prophecy about the Messiah. You know that's what this is. And here is how Jesus fulfilled it. He does that in Matthew chapter 21. When he says that they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he sent them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And by the way, that prophet was Zechariah. Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That prophecy is in Zechariah chapter 9. Matthew says, here's Zechariah's prophecy. Here's how Jesus fulfilled it. Mark Mark's gospel is very similar to Matthew's. They are, they are very, very much alike. But one thing that Mark does do is elaborate just a bit more sometimes than Matthew. Uh, in Matthew 9, Matthew mentions a, a crippled man that Jesus healed. And that's pretty much all Matthew tells us about it. He doesn't give us uh, any details. Boy, but Mark does. Mark tells the same story. And he says that four men carried him to see Jesus. They couldn't get through the door because of the crowd. They went up on the roof. They made a hole in the roof and let that man down through that hole to see Jesus. Same story. Mark just gives us uh, more details than Matthew does. Luke, is, Luke, Luke was a physician. And Luke was not a Jew either. Uh, Luke, uh, Luke tells the story from a, a completely different perspective. And, and the one thing that I, that I note in Luke's gospel is that he includes a few stories that the others don't mention that show the importance of compassion uh, in Jesus' life and also uh, in the life of, of any Christian. He's the only one who tells us about the widow of Nain in Luke 7. Jesus basically comes upon a, a funeral procession. A young man has passed away. Uh, his mother is already a widow. She will be left alone. And Luke tells us that Jesus had compassion for her. He raised that young man uh, from the dead. Uh, he had compassion for his mother. It is Luke who tells us the story that we know as the, as the Good Samaritan. You know, the guy goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They, uh, the robbers wound him, and they leave him half dead. The priest passes by. The Levite passes by. But then Jesus, telling this story, says that a certain Samaritan, when he drew near to him, saw him, and he had compassion. It is Luke who tells that story. Or, uh, Jesus tells the story and Luke records it for us. And he went to that man and he helped him. We also miss the compassion 
in the story of the prodigal. Uh, Luke is the one who wrote that one down for us. But the, the younger son wastes his substance, substance with, with wild living, and, and eventually he comes dragging back home to his father. And Jesus tells us when he was still yet a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion. And he ran to him, and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Luke, Luke is the one who wrote those things down for us. And so Luke, Luke's gospel is a gospel of, of compassion. John, someone might read the book of John and say, but he didn't really tell us a whole lot, did he? <laughs> well, if you, if you compare John's with the other three, he doesn't. But what John does is, is just focus on a few important events. John's purpose was to let his readers know that Jesus was the Son of God. He wants to make sure they know that. At the very start of John's gospel, first thing he does is, John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. John wants us to know that Jesus was there all along, from the very start, even involved in creation. John wants to make sure that we, that we know that. And there's a passage in John chapter 20. And John really lets us know here without... without any question, what his main purpose was in writing his gospel. In John 20 and in verse 30, John says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And that's, that's why John wrote. But Jesus gave up that position in heaven, came down to earth, took the form of a human, suffered and died on the cross for the sins of the human race. You know, his mother Mary, many, many Bible scholars believe that Mary was, was very young, and it wasn't uncommon in those days for, for couples to marry when they were very young. And, and Mary was, was probably a, a, young, a young girl, probably in her, in her teens. And, and Luke tells us that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive and bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He'll be great. And of his kingdom... There will be no end. But Mary, Mary don't know what's happening here. Mary says, how can these things be? I, I've never known a man, she said. She knew that she was a virgin. How can that happen? Gabriel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's how it's going to happen, Mary. And so Jesus was human in that he was born of a, of a human mother. 
He went through everything that a human does, grew up just like uh, any other young man living in, in that day and time. He was happy, he was sad, he was distressed, he was upset, uh, he had good days, he had bad days, just like Monica Mosley does. Uh, Jesus went through everything that a human goes through. He experienced those things. And yet, at the same time, because of his miraculous conception, he's the Son of God. No one else ever in history can make that claim. Human and yet the Son of God. That's important. The Hebrew writer tells us why. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. He, he had to be a human. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He, he got to know what it's like to be a human. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Just a few pages over in chapter 4, we see a little bit more about that. In uh, verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Jesus understands. Jesus knows what it's like. When we, when we say our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, He is our intercessor, our go-between. He presents those things to God, and, and He understands. It, it just means a bit more. If you've ever talked with someone who is distressed, who has suffered a great loss, who is really uh, uh, down for some reason, whatever it might be, it just helps a little bit if you can honestly say, I know how you feel. I understand. That just means a bit more. And my friends, Jesus can do that. When we say our prayers and we ask for his help, Jesus understands what we're going through. When Jesus was about 30 years old, that's exactly the way Luke words it in Luke chapter 3. He was about 30. Uh, he went into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And you know, we always refer to that in Matthew chapter 4 as the, the, the temptation of Jesus. But Jesus was tempted every day, just like we are. The, the idea of that was the one time Jesus was able to, to survive it, and so uh, he was never tempted again. I promise you, the devil was after Jesus every day, just like he is us. Matthew 4 and verse 17, right after that, Matthew says that from that time, Jesus began to preach. He began his ministry. During that time, he delivered lots of lessons and performed many miracles. The purpose of the miracles was to confirm the word. 
Jesus needed something, uh, uh, some evidence, uh, some, some credentials. This is, this is my proof that I, I am speaking for the Father in heaven. Remember, it was Nicodemus who said to Jesus, Teacher, we know you're come from God. Nobody could do what you do except God be with you. God, Nicodemus rec- recognized that. That was the purpose of the miracles. There is a, a place in, uh, it's in Matthew chapter 9, and it, it's, like a, it's like a snapshot of, of Jesus' ministry. And I, and I say that because in just, a, in just a very few verses there, Jesus raises a, a young girl from the dead. Uh, a woman is healed by touching uh, his garment. Two blind men get their sight. And another man has a demon uh, cast out. All in just about, about that much on a page. All of those things happen. In, in verse 35 of Matthew 9, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. There are about, in the four Gospels, we have the story of about, about three dozen miracles being performed. Uh, I say we have the story. We have the, some details about it. But many, many more are referred to. And I personally believe that Jesus did hundreds of them. I really do believe that Jesus performed hundreds of miracles. He was finally arrested and crucified by his enemies. But, you know, that was part of the plan. That was the way it was supposed to happen. I think a, a large portion of our society, even people who attend church services of some kind on a regular basis, really have not grasped the idea that that was part of the plan, that Jesus would die on the cross, shed his blood for the sins of the world. But the really good news is that on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. And that gives us, that gives us our hope of a resurrection. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what we have to look forward to. But our obedience is required. Jesus tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. This evening, if you have never obeyed the gospel and, and become a Christian, this morning, if you, if you heard the message this morning, one of the points I made was that we know at our congregation in teaching the plan of salvation, we are doing it the right way. We know that because we see it in the Scriptures. And they teach us that we must be willing to repent of our sins, 
to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. If you have never become a Christian, you can do that this very evening. We'll help you. Maybe you have obeyed the gospel at some time, but kind of like the prodigal son, you've, you, you've got away from your father. He decided to get up out of the hog pen and go back. You can do the same thing. Repent of those things that caused you to fall. Ask for the prayers of the faithful and be restored. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, please let it be known while we stand and sing. <laughs>